Turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. Say, I got it if you're there. It'll be on the screens for you. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download the YouVersion app. It's very simple, very easy way to be able to navigate through the Word. Here we go. Bible says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Bible says grace to you and peace. Everybody say peace. From God our Father. There it is. There's a source. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the sake of it, for, of context, we'll read verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins. I love how he reiterates it. To deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God of our God and father and so listen as you know this past Sunday we started a brand new series called be free through the book of Galatians and I told you that Paul actually wrote this letter to the church at Galatia everybody say Galatia Galatia and this is a place in uh, in, in ancient Anatolia which is now central modern Turkey and so the Apostle Paul he wrote this letter because he was extremely concerned he was very concerned about the fact that many after these many within this Galatian church after they had heard about the incredible love of Jesus Christ that they after hearing about it they decided that they would go and turn back to bondage turn back to teaching of people who are freedom thieves everybody say freedom thieves freedom thieves are people who come and they spy out your liberty and you'll learn more about them as we go on in the passage but these individuals specifically were attempting to capture and come against these people who had put their trust in Jesus telling them that they needed in summary to work to do things in order to earn God's love and earn God's favor when in fact the Bible makes it clear the Bible makes it clear that God's favor and his love was demonstrated to us outside of our works and this is why the Apostle Paul starts this passage and he says you know he's an apostle not from men nor through men but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead this is the good news about Jesus that Jesus came when we were sinners headed for hell because hell is a real place and although hell is real the good news is is that God this is this reckless love we were singing about that while we were yet sinners the Bible says that Jesus Christ God put on flesh and came and lived perfectly on your and my behalf he died in our place taking our punishment and rose miraculously from death so that those of us who would put trust and faith in him would respond to this incredible love by putting trust and faith in him that we would be able to have freedom freedom from sin freedom in Christ and be able to live in a place where we are not in bondage 
to sin and we we we're, we have our destiny secured where we're headed to be with Jesus forever hell is in the rear view and it's no longer it's no longer where we're headed somebody that's saved ought to be excited about that right there in this moment that's why the bible says stuff like let the redeemed of the lord say so whom he's redeemed from the hands of the enemy because it's a blessing and it's something to be happy about as it pertains to our salvation because the fact is there are people who come against this thought and they think that because of the way our world works that you and I we have to do things to earn God's love that there are certain pillars come on somebody or steps or things that we have to operate in or, or things we have to receive and the amount of times we do them the repetition with which we practice them that that is what determines our salvation and our security in God or our favor with God but Paul is saying, no, that's not the case. And he's challenging them and he's upset. And so last week I challenged you as it pertains to freedom in your identity. Because Paul starts out and he jumps out by saying, hey, I'm Paul, then I'm an apostle. And then he goes on and he talks about that he's an apostle and he is Paul. It's true. It's true Christ and not through man. This is where his identity is rooted. And so he, he establishes this and before he goes out and he encourages others to walk in freedom. So I challenged you last week to be to a place where you are free as it pertains to your identity. But this week, I want to challenge you and I want to challenge you about something that he says. We're still in the introduction. We'll get through the introduction and get into the, the, the meat of the text as of next, next week. But look at what he says from verse 2. He greets them also, the Galatians, he says, and all the brothers who are with me. So he greets the church of Galatia also on the behalf of all the brothers and sisters who were with him at that time. But look at what he says in verse 3. And here it is. This is where the freedom is coming. He says, grace to you and peace. Everybody say peace. It says, and peace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Peace, peace, peace. You know, see, the thing about freedom thieves are that they, they, they spy out not just your freedom as it pertains to your identity, but there are people and there are things and systems that are designed in the world today. Track with me. I'm just sending this thing up. That are designed to get you to a place where you have no peace. How many of you know that anxiety is becoming more and more rampant in our midst today? The devil's desire is not for you and I to be able to be in a place of peace, but his desire is for us to be so concerned about the ins and outs of things that are happening around us, about the trials, about the tribulations. He wants our focus to be on this. He, he wants our focus to be on our perfection or the lack thereof. This is why we say stuff like no perfect people allowed. To remind you and I about the fact that none of us are ever to a place where we reach perfection until Jesus cracks the sty and he makes, uh, he changes us into a perfect individual as the Bible says that he's getting ready to do one of these days. But until then, there are still going to be issues and challenges in our lives. And there are many who want to get you to focus on do's and don'ts. And they try, and in this passage, I don't want to go into it too deep today, but we find that these individuals who were freedom thieves, that were, that's what we're going to call them, they went 
to those people and they're like, okay, so you gave your life to Christ, but have you done this? Have you done that yet? What about this and what about that? And they begun to try and start to put rules and regulations on them that God had not designed or desired for them and to trip and challenge them up to the place where they were not secure in the salvation that they had received as a free gift through the payment of Christ and not their works. Come on, somebody. And there are many of us. This is why I believe that one of the our pieces of armor that the Bible talks about in spiritual warfare is the helmet of salvation. Everybody say the helmet of salvation. Because there are people that are, it is their desire to challenge you and to challenge your faith and to make you think that what it is that you have and the salvation that you receive through Christ is not something that is legit. Come on, somebody. You need to be able to discern stuff. See, some people in your life you think are there. I just want to help somebody. You think they're there because they actually care about you and or that they're trying to find things out about you. But sometimes the enemy will send people in your life posing as wolves in sheep's clothing. And especially, I just feel this thing, especially as it pertains to your peace. Come on, somebody. And your salvation, I mean, that's why there's some of you, you got saved and every single day you're looking and you're thinking and you're in a place where you're like, hold up a minute, man. Am I saved today? I messed up. Or I need to get saved again next week. Or I need to, that's not the way that salvation works. It's not an on and off switch. Come on, somebody. Salvation is not something that you put a down payment on and then you got to continue making payments and payments, monthly payments. And if you miss a payment, no, Jesus paid it all. Come on, somebody. When he died on the cross the bible says he said it is finished and then when you put your trust in him and you trust in what he did on your and my behalf it's done once and for all come on somebody somebody ought to celebrate that's good news right there that's why you got to use discernment and some of you, you've been getting into debates and you've been getting into arguments and you've been getting into wars with folk that aren't even going to be fruitful. And that's why the Bible says not to engage in vain disputations. Well, that just helps somebody right there. So anyways, talking about this, he says grace and peace. I love this. Grace and peace. One more time. Say grace and peace grace and peace this is this 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 greeting that he shares and that he says grace and peace and i love it because you know when i when when we think about this in all of paul's greetings throughout the new testament he wrote two-thirds of the new testament which is the second half of the bible for those who are new to scripture and in it he always addresses and starts his letters by saying grace and peace except in first timothy and second timothy he says grace mercy and peace and so there must have been some sort of an aspect of god's mercy that as he was sharing with his son in the gospel timothy that timothy needed to hear about this and so he says grace mercy and peace but in all of the other books that he writes he starts by saying grace and peace one more time say grace and peace and i love this because you know when i think about this i believe that god's desire is for us to be free in our minds that we're to a place where we're not controlled by anxiety oh man where we are free in our minds where we're not controlled by anxiety where it doesn't matter what's happening around us that we're able to still be in a place of peace man i think about myself and i just look back to 
when I was a child, and maybe some of you will share this, uh, you know, this experience, but when I was a child, because of some of the things that surrounded my upbringing, I, had, I was just riddled with anxiety. And a lot of people don't think that children have stress. Be like, oh, that stuff is grown up. So children be stressed out about stuff. Sometimes I got to check my kids and just challenge them. Hey, Gabe, it's okay. You don't need to worry because the fact of the matter is some of these things, especially with a lot of the curriculum, there's stress that is coming to many of our children. I'll never forget, man, I was so stressed. I remember I used to go to sleep and I used to have these dreams because, you know, of the religious environment that I grew up in that was all about do's and don'ts and all of these things that we had to do to earn our way to God. And I was around, I had so much anxiety. I didn't think that God loved me and I would have these nightmares that Jesus would come back and everybody else would be floating up to go and meet Jesus. And I would be just stuck to my bed. Am I the only person? And I'd be stuck to my bed and I'd be trying to jump up and I couldn't make it. And I would just be so paralyzed by fear thinking that I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I can't. I can't get there because of this fear that was rooted in me. Because of this religion that I was a part of that taught me that it was about what I did or didn't do that determined God's love for me. And so not only this, especially as it pertained to death, man, I was so frightened of death. I walked through life and I was so scared of death. If I saw somebody die, whatever happened to them, I would always think, oh my gosh, that's going to happen to me. And I'd be paralyzed by fear. If I went to funerals, I would always be, be so frightened because of the fear of death, the fear and the anxiety that crippled my life. And it went on as I grew up. Can I just be real this morning? As I grew up, I just lived and continuously was in a place of fear and anxiety. Some of you, you came in here today and you're bound by anxiety. And I just declare and I believe that today that breakthrough is yours in the mighty name of Jesus. And I mean, I remember as I started, started going on and, you know, started having panic attacks. Anybody else ever had a panic attack? Just panic attacks, losing my mind over things. And then, when, as, I, as I've shared before, when I started smoking weed and lost my mind and, and, and ended up the panic attacks magnified. And then I started dealing and manifesting obsessive compulsive disorder. And all of these things, which is an anxiety disorder. Because you're anxious. I mean, I'm not just talking, see, when people say OCD, some people just think of, you know, just rearranging a few things or everything needs to be perfect. No, I'm talking about debilitating rituals that you have to carry out or you feel like you're going to die if you don't. And this was something that gripped my life. Fear and anxiety gripped my life to the point where I thought that it was not possible to be able to walk in freedom. I didn't think it was possible to be able to not worry. You know, there's some of you, you go to bed and you don't even sleep. You toss and turn all night because of the worry that has plagued your heart. You're sitting there doing calculations in your dreams. Instead of counting sheep, you're counting bills. And you're just there in that place where you're sweating through the night and you're always on a high strung wondering because you got more month than money. You're just trying to make ends meet. And so as a result, you're in a place of anxiety. I hope I'm walking down somebody's road this morning. 
But I believe, I believe that God, that this is not God's desire for you. Come on, somebody. This is not God's desire. And although freedom thieves may try to tell you this, to, and the world may be set up in the system, may be set up to get you to a place where you always need to be worrying about what's coming. We serve a God who in Matthew chapter 6 says, take no thought for the things of tomorrow. Come on. He says, for sufficient for today are the troubles of itself. Seek first. Here's Matthew 6, 33. The kingdom of God and his righteousness in other words give your life and put your trust in jesus and he says and all these things will be added unto you when you put christ first and you put trust in christ and you're not focused and worried about yourself and what you have to do to earn god's approval what god will do is that he'll take care of you and he'll take care of all of your needs. And many of you, you're, you're in a place where you're not seeing this miracle take place. And you're walking in a place of anxiety because you're focused on how you can do it. When in actuality, God has done it all for you. And all you got to do is just rest in what he's done. Come on, somebody. If you believe it, give God some praise in this moment here. And so I love this because the Apostle Paul, he's vexed at the mandem fam. Yo, he's vexed at these guys bad. Like, he's like, yo, I spent time working on you guys. He was the one that was doing this work in the church of Galatia. He's telling them about the incredible love of Jesus. He's telling them about how he died for their sins and rose from death. And he loves them unconditionally. He's telling them about all this stuff. But yet, they turn away and go to vomit. They turn back to vomit that tells them that they got to work their way into God's heart that they got to do stuff and he says to them look although he's vexed I love it although he's mad he says he still starts by saying grace and peace unto you because his desire for them is that although they're in a place the church of Galatia where although they've heard about the love of God they've determined and decided that they're going to walk again in anxiety and put their trust in their flesh as opposed to what God has done for them he still desires for them to be in a place of grace and peace and I believe that that same greeting I say grace and peace to you there are some of you you show up to church every single Sunday you hear about God's love you hear about his unconditional love and his peace and you leave here and you still go and get to a place in a place of worry but I declare grace and peace over you because I believe that that is God's desire and his will for your life and he desires for you to be in a place of freedom in fact you need to just confess that to yourself come on I want you to put yourself your hand over your own heart and say God wants me to be free come on tell him tell tell yourself see some of y'all can't even say that because you don't believe it God wants you to be free. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to be in a place where you are not bound and where you are not in a place of anxiety. But I love this because, watch this, you know, Paul, I love he makes this statement that although he's upset, he understands that because he's been a recipient of God's grace, he's not going to get arrogant and prideful because others are not so willingly uh, not so free to receive it in that moment you know it's people who are truly recipients of God's grace that are desirous of seeing everyone even people you're in disagreement with come to a place of freedom in their minds and so even though he's in a place of disagreement with them he still extends and says grace and peace unto them you know how we usually respond to people 
that we're in disagreement with or people that you've invested in and you've put time in and then they respond in another way come on somebody we often will wish demise on people or we'll be like told you so but no paul in this moment he starts and says grace and peace although he had told them about God's love and they turned the other way. He still extends grace and peace to them. And I love it because it's kind of like the way that Jesus teaches us and he also teaches us in other places to bless those that curse us. How do you respond to people who disagree with you? How do you respond to people who you've invested in and they turn in the other direction? Do you hope for their demise? Do you wish for their demise? Or do you still declare grace and peace on them? This is why Paul will say stuff like in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, uh, verse and then verse 17 through 21, that if your enemy is hungry, feed him. It says if somebody curses you, bless them and don't curse them. That goes against our culture, right? How do you treat people? How do you treat people who are in disagreement with you? Watch this. Walking in Christ's freedom allows you to have a stronger desire for your enemies to repent and be restored than desiring for them to meet their demise. Walking in Christ's freedom allows you to have a stronger desire for your enemies to repent and be restored than desiring for them to meet their demise. Imagine how Jesus was when they were crucifying him. The very people who he was dying for were crucifying him. And instead of being like, it's over for you and it's done, he cries out in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive. I mean, seriously, is that the way you would act? If somebody was crucifying you, would you be asking God as they're crucifying you the way that people be doing in our lives today? Would you be asking God to forgive them? Because they don't know what they No, that's not the way that we usually respond. But here we find Paul declaring grace and peace to people who he's in disagreement with people who are wasting the information and the and that which he has told them and so even you know what this is the thing there are many of us who do good things to people they do good things when people disagree with us but our motive behind it we'd be like god bless you <laughs> and so we're not actually doing it because we want to be kind but the heart and the spirit is you, you're just uh, assaulting them in jesus name the Bible says that when we're kind to people who harm us or do wrong to us, that we're heaping coals of hot fire on their head. And so you're like, that's why I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. take, this, take this glass of water. I'm going to pay your bill this month to heap coals of hot fire on your head. And it's like, no, see, our motives behind what we do have to be pure. If you truly have the heart of Christ, you are able to declare grace and peace. Come on, somebody. If Jesus, if Jesus could take the sins of the world on his shoulder and die for people who were hatefully putting him on the cross and extend love to them. Come on, somebody. You and I ought to be in a place where we, too, can look at those we disagree with or those who we might not even like. And desire for repentance to come to their lives. And desire for them to get to a place where there's a turnaround in their life. And that's, and I know it's hard fam. But that's, that's the way that we can grow as we continue. Because when we're walking in freedom as it pertains to our mind and peace. You see, you can't say bless you to people who hurt you if you're still in bondage to what they've done to you. And so a lot of times, the reasons why we can't 
do these things is because people still have the grip on us. What they did to you is still rooted in. I know I'm not jumping today, y'all. I know I'm not doing backflips, but I just want you, because I want you to get this thing, man. There's sometimes the thing they did is rooted. And it hurts. And as a result, you can't say those things to them. And these are areas where we get to grow and where we get to really, truly embrace. Because we might not be like the Galatians turning aside to false teachings and religions, but you might be to the place where you don't have peace because of the grip of what someone else did to you and the freedom thief of someone in your life who has done something and planted something in your spirit that you have not yet let go of. And as we always say, drinking poison, hoping for the other person to die. But God's desire is for us to have grace and peace. One more time, say grace and peace. And I'm getting to three points for you to be able to live this thing out. But I just want to deal with this really quickly. So when you're hearing the word grace, you're wondering what it is. The word grace here when Paul says this in the Greek is the word charis. Everybody say charis. It's goodwill. You know, we sing songs like amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We sing these songs and we talk about grace. But do we actually know what grace is? Grace, charis is the loving, the goodwill, the loving kindness and the favor of God. In working terms, it's, 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 God's, it's God's love, favor, and work on our behalf given to us as a gift that we don't deserve. So it's his love, it's his favor, it's his work initiated exclusively by him and given to us, to those of us as a gift. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. Because it's amazing. It makes no sense that he would do something like this. But he gives it to us even though we don't deserve it. And Paul wishes this and prays this and declares this over the church at Galatia. He says grace and peace to you. And you know the thing about grace is we're talking about grace. You're going to hear a lot about it through this book as we continue to unpack. Grace is not like a solid rocket booster. There's something called a solid rocket booster. How many of you ever seen a rocket take off, either on YouTube or on the TV, you've seen a rocket go into space, okay? And now, when a rocket goes into space, there are these things called solid rocket boosters that are there, and they give them additional boost to be able to break through the atmosphere, and then they stay with them for a few moments, for, and after like two minutes, they break off, and then they fall back down to the ground. Many of us, we think of grace like that. We think of grace as a solid rocket booster in that it's something that attaches to our life just to bring us to a place of salvation, but then we don't need grace anymore. But Paul is declaring grace and peace to the church at Galatia because it's his desire, watch this, for not us not to be in a place where grace just brought us to a certain point and we leave it. But we, how many of you know that you need the loving kindness and the favor of God each and every single day of your life? Come on. And it's not just designed to bring you to salvation. But I love how Peter, and I want you to write this down. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. And then 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, the apostle Peter in his greeting, he starts and he says, he talks about, he says, he wishes, he says, grace, uh, he says, he desires that grace be multiplied. That the grace of God, the work, the love, the favor of God be multiplied in our lives. Grace is not something that you start with and then it drops off. 
but it's something that you need every single day of your life. Come on, somebody. It's something that you need every single day of your life. The grace of God. You need it not just to get saved, but you need it through the course of your life. How many of you have done this before? You drop somebody home when you get to the, the house. You know, I do this all the time. You'll wait outside of the house and you wait to see until they get inside the house. And then they get inside the house and then you drive off. God's grace is not designed to wait outside. Come on and just wait until you get saved and then to leave you away. You still need the grace and peace of God. And God's desire is for his grace to be multiplied. To be multiplied. Everybody say one more time. Say multiplied. And then I love this because then he goes on. He says grace and peace. The word peace. Everybody say peace. The word peace in the Greek is irene, irene, and it's, I love it because it says peace between individuals, harmony. There's another definition, security, safety, prosperity, because of peace, keeps things safe and prosperous. It says the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation. Oh, I love it. Through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot. Of whatsoever sort that is that's peace there's there's there's, there's peace see I, with this peace that he's talking about is not vacation peace because some of y'all you're hearing grace and peace you're like i don't need jesus for no peace i want to be on the beach in hawaii and that will give me peace if i just i'm on the beach sipping something that will give me the peace that i need how many of you know that peace is temporary Come on. Earthly peace, no matter how blissful it is for some of y'all like, if I just if I just get this wife or if I get this husband, then I'll have this peace. When I get this blank, when I get this job, then I'll have the peace that I need. There are many of us that you are in this place where you think, come on, that once you get something that that's the, no, the peace that Paul is declaring over the church at Galatia and the peace that I Rene, that I believe that God wants for you and I serve city is that that comes from the Lord. And it's one that is everlasting and eternal. And it, as we read in the definition, no matter what happens in your life, no, what hap no matter what happens in my life, that we can have, we can be secure and we can be free. I love this because, because the way that the Bible talks about peace, talks about two types of peace. And this is the peace that he's talking about. Peace with God. Everybody say peace with God. Peace with God and the peace of God. Everybody say peace of God. And so Romans chapter 5, write this down. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 talks about that while we were yet sinners that, you know, it, it, and this whole chapter talks about while we're sinners that Christ dies for the ungodly, he dies for us, and he makes a way for us to have peace with God. As I shared, we are born enemies of God. But in Jesus' death, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's wrath is out there towards humankind but through the death and burial and resurrection of jesus when we put trust and faith in jesus we receive peace with god but then there's also the peace of god everybody say peace of god philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 write that down it says be careful or anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication or in earnest prayer make your requests known to god Instead of stressing about stuff, he's saying, put your trust in God and being anxious. And he says, then, watch this in verse 7, and when you do so, the peace of God, huh, 
The peace of God, verse 7, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If, I know it seems oxymoronic, but the peace of God is like a guard dog. When you have God's peace, when you have the peace of God, it guards your heart so that no matter what's going on, when you put your trust in Jesus, the peace of God, it goes past understanding. It doesn't make sense. That's why for some of you, and if, if you're waiting for your moment to shout, this is the moment for you to shout. Some of y'all, you should have lost your mind by now. Come on, somebody. And when people look at you, they say, how in the world do you still got it? Or maybe I'm the only person. How do you still got it all together because of all that you've been through? But I wonder if it's about five people in here that can give God a praise because because of God's peace he's kept you in the middle man I gotta dance for that one right there in the middle of the most hellacious situations the peace of God one more time say the peace of God now bring this plane down for a landing note this note this though he doesn't say peace and grace he says grace and peace uh, this is good he, 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 grace is listed first because watch this God's peace comes through God's grace not the other way around oh, what do you mean Pastor Andrew there are many of you that are seeking for peace but you're doing so without God's grace and peace that comes aside from God's grace and his favor and what he did on your behalf is not peace that is going to be sustainable and I'm here to tell you no matter how many men you look for it in come on somebody no matter how many women you look for it in no matter how many religions you look for it in there's some of you the grace of God is not good enough for you and so you want to do all the pillars you want to pray a certain amount of times a day you got to do x y and z and in order you got to take a certain amount of sacraments in order for you to earn peace but I'm telling you peace cannot be earned the Bible lists it the way that he lists it because peace He's the peace of God is comes to the grace of God. Amen. Oh, that's some good stuff, man. Bad religion is the result of people who pursue God's peace without first embracing his grace. Bad religion is the result of people who pursue God's peace without first embracing God's grace. A lot of people who have premarital sex attempting to experience intimacy without covenant. You want the intimacy that covenant offers outside of covenant. And no, I'm not being judgy. I'm not putting on my judgy pants. I'm not out here condemning anyone or anything of this nature. I'm just saying that many times this is the perspective. We want the milk without having to buy the cow. And so the fact of them, well, the fact of the matter is that this is the way that we do as it pertains to peace. Oftentimes we want God, what God offers without God, without going through his grace, trying to light the gas burner without first turning on the gas. Are you with me this morning? And so I just want to challenge you as it pertains to your peace. Paul declares, it says, grace and peace be to you. And I echo those sentiments and say, grace and peace be to you. Jesus came and died for your sins. He extends his grace, his love, his favor, his kindness, remember, as a gift that we don't deserve. I don't deserve it, but it's reckless, fam. And he puts it out there to us. And his desire through that grace is for us to be able to have peace. Not the peace that this world offers. Not the peace that, 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 that having a retirement fund offers. 
Not the peace that, 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 that job security offers, but peace that extends beyond this world and will give you, that will give you hope, will give you joy outside of anything that this world could ever offer. And it's incredible to me because I'll just end by saying, you know, I'm so grateful for deliverance. And this is why I believe it, man. I'm telling you, I was paralyzed by fear. I was paralyzed by fear of death. Paralyzed by fear of sickness. Paralyzed by all of these things. And I stand before you today to tell you that by the grace of God, that I am free, come on, and I have peace today. And although every now and again I still battle with things that the enemy will put, to, will propose to me as it pertains to anxiety or OCD or things of this nature, that I can look at it, come on somebody, and tell it in the name of Jesus, you have no hold over me. The grace of God is efficacious in my life. And I have joy and peace, come on somebody, that the world didn't give me and the world did not, cannot take away. If there's anybody else is happy about that peace go ahead and celebrate it in this moment God wants for you to have peace this is so good so incredible to me it's a milestone you don't have to be in a place where you walk in bondage and I love it because <laughs> take this devil I was able for two and a half years to serve in a funeral home <laughs> y'all think you're looking at me like that's pretty weird pastor no it's a miracle because i used to be afraid of death and i couldn't be around dead people and the enemy wanted to stop me from being able to go and serve and minister to families at their lowest point because of my own hang-ups you know how many families i've been able to minister to and love on not just as a pastor in a funeral but also just their loved ones as they're going through difficult time all because I was able to get past my anxiety and my fear there are people who are waiting on the other side of your anxiety there are people who are waiting on the other side of your fear who is waiting for you come on what is being held up because of the fear I just feel God that is gripping you today so I declare freedom over you. Be free in the name of Jesus. Don't let another day go by that you aren't walking in the peace of God. Don't get another sleepless night. Today you can have peace through the grace of God.